Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 311. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today I'm excited to kick off a new series all about what to disclose in the interview process and what to just keep to yourself. This whole series was really inspired by a question that came up in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook, which is the best place to be on Facebook. If you are not there already, make sure to join us via the link in today's show notes. Uh, We were kind of debating collectively there when it makes sense to make certain disclosures when interviewing for a new job. And here's the question that inspired it all. It came in from Maria. Hey, bosses. Is it still recommended to keep a pregnancy under wraps while interviewing? How do I find out if the company slash organization has a parental leave package that matches my values before I commit? How do I go about finding out that information in a non-obvious but clear way? I'm nervous. I'm 36 years old and only five weeks pregnant, but my morning sickness is brutal. And at my age, I've seen enough workplace discrimination to make me very on guard. I don't want to be dishonest, but I feel at this stage in the development of society and its norms, it's simply not safe to reveal yet. Is it also safe to reveal that I'm a parent of a two-year-old already? I feel like companies hear a hint of parenting in your life and they cross you off the list as a choice. Has it changed much? How do I find out? I haven't searched for work in a long time, so I'm feeling new all over again. First of all, Maria... Let me just say that this is such an important question to be asking, and I'm really grateful to you for starting what turned into such a robust discussion in the Courage community. So today is just part one of probably about five episodes uh, coming up in the next few Thursdays, all about what disclosures to make in the interview process and what perhaps to keep to yourself. Today's episode is going to focus primarily on the topics that Maria brought up in her post, pregnancy, parental status, and we're going to add in marital status as well. But in the coming weeks, we'll also talk about things like disclosing a disability or your sexual orientation, a chronic illness, or even a criminal background. We're going to talk through all of these in detail to explore how to balance your totally understandable desire to demonstrate honesty and transparency with self-protection and just knowing your rights as an interviewee. A big disclaimer before we dive in, all of the following disclosures that we're going to talk about are so much easier to make with an employer once you've successfully secured a written job offer, because at that point, you are much more protected from that offer being rescinded, because if it is revoked in light of your disclosure, that employer really opened themselves up to a potential liability in the form of a hiring discrimination lawsuit. Now, of course, 
Proving discrimination is an extremely difficult, long, and expensive legal process, and we know hiring discrimination happens every day in this country, where workers' rights have been systematically eroded in recent decades in particular. So you still need to proceed with caution, but securing a written offer can kind of provide a little more cover, a little little more security in this situation. Uh, By the way, this is a good reminder for all of us that we should all be advocating for more workers' rights, more workplace protections, more anti-discrimination laws on the state and federal level. Okay, we're going to take this one at a time. First, let's talk marital status. Being asked about your marital status might seem totally innocuous to the oblivious interviewer who lets a personal question like this one slip, but it's absolutely a red flag. This is true for even just wearing your wedding ring into an interview. It sets up all kinds of potential discomfort and discrimination, especially for LGBTQ plus job seekers who, when asked about their marital status, may essentially have to out themselves to answer the question honestly. And if you're a woman in your 30s, let's say, a college-educated woman in your 30s in particular, and the interview asks, I don't know, what your husband does for work, they're making all kinds of robust assumptions about your orientation, your marital status, and even assumptions that can trickle over into expectation setting around parental status. And it's just you know, again, like it, even though it seems like an innocuous question, it can absolutely and immediately exclude all kinds of employees and just be a very weird personal question to ask. Plus, if you're planning an upcoming wedding, that might be seen as a potential time commitment that conflicts with work. Or worse yet, if you disclose that you recently tied the knot, employers may make all kinds of assumptions about your plans to become pregnant in the near future. Which, again, for women is too often seen as a distraction from work instead of a totally natural part of the continuation of the human race. So basically, this question about marital status is much more of a minefield than it might appear at first glance. So it's so important to just avoid, or I would say so much better to just avoid disclosing anything much at all about your marital status if it doesn't pertain to your ability to get the job done. Obviously, your marital status, if you are in a committed partnership, might have a lot to do with your willingness to relocate across the country. It might have a lot to do with your willingness to take a job that requires 100% travel. So you're going to have considerations to make. It's just perhaps best to not vocalize those considerations until you have a written offer in hand and then go into those negotiations you know, ready and able to play play all the cards you can and advocate for what it is that you and your family and your, your relationship needs. But until you've got a job offer on the table, it's best to pretend to be what they call the ideal worker, which is a worker who has no personal life. And sadly, that is still kind of seen as this unconscious assumption that employers make about the ideal employee who has nothing going on outside of work, which is so antiquated. Let's talk a little bit more about parental status, shall we? I've written extensively and podcasted extensively about this in the past. There's a post called Should You Mention Your Kids in the interview that I'll drop a link to in uh, today's show notes, but I'll sum up my biggest takeaways again here. The motherhood wage penalty is a well-documented phenomenon. Across the board, Managers are more likely to see moms as a potential liability, 
despite a growing body of evidence, by the way, that shows mothers are actually some of the most efficient workers in our workforce. One study found, quote, mothers were judged as significantly less competent and committed than women without children. Mothers were also held to harsher performance and punctuality standards. Mothers were allowed significantly fewer times of being late to work, and they needed a significantly higher score on their management exam than non-mothers before being considered hireable. Fatherhood, on the other hand, actually results in what's known as the fatherhood bonus. Employers are actually more likely to perceive fathers as grounded, stable providers who warrant a higher starting salary than their single or child-free counterparts. The bottom line here is there's a pretty compelling case in the whack research about the status quo on this to keep the topic of kids off the table if you're a woman and to flaunt whatever family you've got if you're a man. Is this double standard fair or right? Absolutely not. But we are up against a millennium of unconscious gender stereotyping here. I remember specifically when Brad uh, the Boo was negotiating a cross-country move for his uh, job that brought us from D.C. to Denver. And he <laughs> I was his girlfriend at the time. Uh, and we have a dog, Teddy, that I brought into this relationship. And I remember when coaching him for his salary negotiation, he was asking for a, a moving bonus. And he said, you know, I have to uproot my entire family to travel across the country. <laughs> and I heard him say that. And I laughed out loud thinking like, yep, your girlfriend and your dog, we have a lot to uproot here. Uh, and it worked, right? Like whatever family you got, if you flaunt it when you're a man, it can really work in your favor. Like you're right. You're a provider. We need to pay you more. And it bu- it builds upon all of these unconscious stereotypes of man, the provider, woman, the mother who's distracted from work, which is whack, I agree, but totally our unfortunate reality. Hopefully that'll change, but there's not a good case for that change being made right now in the data. So if you're worried that the employer you're interviewing with doesn't have family-friendly policies, I would advise asking about what normal business hours are expected in your role. Ask about the overall company culture. You can even ask to take a peek at the employee handbook, which should include many more details on the company's policies and procedures like parental leave and other available benefits. It's not a common thing to ask for, and lots of people just ignore the handbook as kind of like a formality in the hiring processing paperwork. But it really is worth taking a close look at. And if you have specific accommodations in mind that you'll need in order to accept the position, I recommend waiting until you're in the negotiation phase after a written offer is made to really ask for whatever flexibility you need. There are also great sites I should mention like um, In Her Site and Fairy Godboss that are specifically designed like the Yelp for employers, uh, specifically pertaining to women in the workplace. So In Her Site and Fairy Godboss are kind of great places to get anonymous Uh, insider information on companies, especially larger companies with lots of employees, about what kind of benefits are available and how mothers or women overall are treated. All right. Finally, let's talk pregnancy. Should you disclose your pregnancy during the interview? Listen, if you ask a dozen women this question, you will likely get a dozen different 
answers. <laughs> the way I see it, it all depends on your own personal risk tolerance and how far along you are in your pregnancy. Because if you're six to eight months along and you are fully showing and interviewing in person, you don't have much of an option anyway. But if you are able to avoid it, Georgine Huang, co-founder of Fairy God Boss, who was laid off at two months pregnant while interviewing for new jobs throughout her pregnancy, recommended on a past podcast interview I did with her to just stay off the topic if you can. Avoid it altogether if you can. Keeping your pregnancy to yourself is not dishonest, so long as it doesn't pertain to your specific role or any specific projects that you're taking on, right? So if you're being hired to take the lead on a project that culminates right around your due date, all right, then your own personal calculation might be different and disclosing might feel like the best, most honest path forward for you. It also might be a huge liability for you getting this job. So it's a really hard, it's a hard thing for me to pass judgment on, right? For me to tell you exactly what you should do. It's a very personal choice. At the end of the day, You've got to consider your options. How badly do you need this job? How optimistic are you about your ability to secure another offer? If you have interviews going with multiple employers who seem eager to offer you a position, of course it's less of a risk for you to disclose your pregnancy early and gauge the response you get from both prospective employers as part of weighing your options. Taronda Thomas, a journalist and news anchor, shared with me on another early podcast interview how completely upfront and transparent she was about the accommodations that she needed as a new mother interviewing with plans to have more children in the near future, too. She was totally upfront about her demands that she had for her next employer while standing confidently in the skills and experiences that she was bringing to the table as well. As someone who was returning to work after a period of time where she stayed home with her newborn full-time, she set a really high bar for her next job to meet in order to set herself up for long-term sustainable success. I highly encourage you listening to her interview, which is episode 12 of the Boss Up podcast, to just hear her approach because she and Georgine took really different approaches to very similar problems and set kind of a good example of how just completely diverse the path forward can be. Whatever path you choose, remember that there is no single right answer. It's a personal reflection of your own risk tolerance, your own ability to negotiate whatever accommodations you need, and your own personal feelings on you know, how upfront and transparent you want to be with this employer. I There's a lot of risks involved, unfortunately, because we don't have a lot of rights in this situation. It's really easy for employers to discriminate against women, against pregnant women, against expecting to be pregnant soon type women, against married women. It's just, it's a really not ideal situation. Uh if you want to inquire about those prospective employers' parental leave policies and overall family friendliness, like I mentioned earlier, check out the websites fairygodboss.com or in her site. That's in her com, where you can read anonymous reviews of companies that are all about women's long-term growth potential. And like I said earlier, you can always take a peek at the employee handbook too 
which should include many more details on the company's policies and procedures. I'm sure that you, if you're listening to this episode, you're not the only one who's ever had to navigate this situation. So I'd love to hear your approach. What tips have worked for you? What did I miss here that you would want to add uh, to the strategies that we're sharing with one another. Let's keep this conversation going after the podcast ends in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook. You can also tag me, tweet me, uh, you know, message me at Emily Aries or at Bossed Up Org. And you can always weigh in at bossedup.org slash episode 311. I'd love to hear what else you would have to share with one another because there are so many women who find themselves in this kind of a predicament and are not sure the best way to proceed. So if you've got a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. And you can always call in to the Bossed Up Podcast hotline as well. And I'll play your anonymous voicemail on an upcoming episode. That number, as always, which just leads to our voicemail inbox, don't worry, we'll never pick up, is 910-668-BOSS or 2677. In the meantime, share this episode with the women in your world who you know could use it. And thanks as always for listening, for bossing, and for lifting as we climb.